Welcome to the Dog Help Podcast, proudly sponsored by Positive Improvement and hosted by Christy Kirby Barron. As a certified dog behavior consultant, I'm eager to share my extensive experience and expertise to help you with all of your dog training needs, from tackling common issues to diving deep into the mysteries behind dog behavior. I'm confident I can help provide you with the solutions you need. So don't hesitate to hit the subscribe button and join me on this exciting journey of discovery. Hey, welcome back, friends. Uh, It's been a minute since I've uploaded another podcast. I uh, apologize for that. Honestly, I started one uh, on how to choose a trainer, and it just kept growing. And I realized there was way too much information to try to impart in one podcast, so I broke it up into sections. Um. One thing I have been asked is whether or not I will take training videos and do that cold reaction where uh, you put it on, I haven't seen it, and I react to it as as it's playing out. And the answer is yes and no. And you're like, wow, that was such a uh, such a commitment. The reason I will not criticize another trainer is, well, first of all, it's not ethical. So if you got a trainer that's slamming other trainers, just know that that person is not ethical. That's just not what you do. Um, Also, a video never tells the whole story. So when you're looking at these training videos or you're looking at the TV programs or the TikTok things, Uh, Remember that what they show on there isn't the whole story. If they have a horrible uh, thing going on, they're not going to put that on that, you know, 30 second video on TikTok. They're putting their best foot forward. And so if you have someone working with a difficult dog, even if it looks bad, they may be doing a very nice job with a, a dog that is difficult to work with. Or they may be taking a fantastic job, uh, dog, and be doing a terrible job with that dog. But either way, you don't see the full story. So one thing that we have to be sure of is that we remain, I guess, impartial to training methods, to, um, I mean, out-and-out abuse. That's one thing. Uh, anybody, it doesn't take a trained eye to see a video of a dog being abused and know that that is abuse. Um, but we're talking about different kinds of training methods and how trainers train the dogs. And we need to kind of look at, instead of what is the trainer doing, like I said, above and beyond being outright abusive. If you've got uh, someone beating a dog or strangling them, choking them up, uh, that's not training. That's abuse. And aside from those things, what you really need to look at is the dog, the body language of the dog. The dog will tell you, even though you don't have the full picture, the dog will tell you how they are feeling in that very moment in time. And I do plan to do some of those uh, video breakdowns where you're looking at the dog, not necessarily the trainer, but the dog, um, and kind of seeing the feedback of what they are trying to achieve in that video. 
and how it's going from the dog's point of view. So if you're not uh, subscribed, I would highly recommend that you go over to the uh, YouTube account. It's at Christy Barron, at C-H-R-I-S-T-I-B-A-R-O-N, at Christy Barron. Uh, or you can look up a positive improvement and these links will be in the, the video description. But go on over there and get signed up so that when these things come out, you'll be the first to see them. So now we're going to get into some red flag statements. And what prompted this is, like, I, people have said, well, how do you choose a trainer? Choosing a trainer is not as easy as a checkbox. Uh, choosing a dog breeder is the same way. It's not as easy as just checking a box and saying, well, if this person checks all of these boxes, it must be a, a great trainer. Um, there are some things that you can look for that will help you with regard to choosing someone, but there are also some things that you should that should uh, throw up a red flag and kind of make you think twice about the hype around the advertising going on with certain programs or trainers. First, revolutionary or new. There is nothing revolutionary or new about training. It has been around. I don't care if it's the science-based, the positive motivation, the um, e-collars, the cookies, the it's all been there. It's all been there and there's nothing new. Uh, I came from a time where uh, we weren't using marker-based training and we weren't doing all the positive motivation things. And I was exposed to marker-based training. And for you guys that don't quite know what that means, it's the clicker or the word yes. Uh, sometimes you've heard of people uh, using the word yes or clicker, but these marker-based training, um, I was exposed to that in like 1992, and more people are becoming aware of it now, but that doesn't mean it is revolutionary or new. There's nothing new or revolutionary uh, about training, so that's a huge red flag. Another red flag is promising major results in as little as or just saying you can get fast results. With easy things like sit, down, shake, maybe. Like you really can major, make major results in that. But most people do not reach out for these types of training for sit, down, shake. They reach out for more complex things such as jumping up, uh, biting at your hands and feet, potty training. And there are no, I mean, you just can't, were complex behaviors there's just no one quick fix and so if they tell you uh, ma major results in as little as you know two weeks or six weeks or five easy steps um, anything they promise fast results is kind of misleading in that how can they promise a quick fix for a complex problem across the board with every single dog when they've never even evaluated the dog. And not only that, but dogs and people do not learn the same way. So 
there are multiple ways of teaching concepts. And if they promise their method will work on every dog, um, that's pretty suspect. They may be trying to force the dog when the dog's not best suited by that method. And a good trainer knows how to adjust to the dog's needs as well as the owner's needs. So it's not all about the dog. If they are marketing this strictly uh, how to address your dog's needs, uh, I hate to break it to you, but generally the owner has to change their behavior first before the dog's behavior will change. And generally people don't make fast changes to get fast results by putting in tons of effort um, with just one method. So you are a huge part of the fast results in a training method. And so if they're claiming that without knowing you, without seeing your dog, that every dog across the board, they can make these huge major, major results, um, that, that should be a red flag. It's a bit suspect. The next one, claiming to be number one or, quote, the best. Uh, the best of who? Who's voting? Uh, how did they get nominated for that? Is it a popularity vote? Um, are they voted? Is it peer reviewed? Is this like number one amongst uh, trainers across the nation voted on by other trainers or is this a popularity contest where you ask your friends and their friends and your family and their friends to vote so if it's a if it's a popularity contest that really has nothing to do with their abilities as a trainer and I've gone on some sites and it says um, voted uh, Jackson's number one. Well, voted where? Because it doesn't say who voted. It doesn't say how they arrive. You know, how did they arrive at being that number one? And there's no answer for that. So if they're claiming to be number one or the best, that's always suspect to me. Um, because people are talented in different ways. Some people are more talented with fear or um, separation anxiety dogs. Others are more gifted in the area of working with aggressive dogs. And so claiming to be number one or the best, uh, there are a lot of talented people out there that really understand behavior. And I just think you really can't say that. Um, so that should be suspect. Um, one comes to mind in this area, and I asked some people who hired them, I was like, how did you find them? And they basically said when they pulled up Google, it said they were the number one. And I'm kind of like, okay, one of them is a startup company. So literally, this person fell for, for it saying, we are the number one in the Jackson area, and this is a startup company. They're, they haven't been in, uh, in business for even a year, and people are falling for that because they say we're number one. Another red flag is 100% reliable. Nothing can be 100%. These are dogs. They're not robots, and they make choices just like we all do, and not all the choices they make, just like us, are good ones. Um, 
people even have off days. And so this statement leads to kind of a false sense of security and makes you get lax. And if you think your training is 100% and you can totally rely on it, you end up, I guess, trusting it more than you should and forgetting that these are not little robots and they do make poor decisions sometimes. And the outcome of that could be deadly. Um, coming when called is one. Just because a dog has come when called uh, the past 30 times that you called them does not mean that the 31st won't have a hiccup and end up putting your dog in a situation where it's unsafe. And so be sure that you understand that if they're saying, okay, well, it may not be 100%, but it's going to be 99%, that's still pretty high. Um, that, again, is leading you to believe that you can trust training more than you probably should. Another red flag is when they tell you they have secret methods. Um, and what I'm talking about by this is I've seen, uh, we'll teach you the secret methods of service dog trainers so that your dog can behave like a service dog. Again, it's kind of like new and revolutionary. There are no secret methods. The secret is, is in the work you put into it. That is the secret. If you want a dog to behave as well as a service dog does, you need to do what the service dog people do in terms of the amount of training that they do, the amount of uh, effort they put into this dog. You can have that too. But there's no secret. There's really no secret to it. Another one is number of easy steps. Uh, if that worked as advertised, trainers would be out of business. So, <laughs> and a laugh because, okay, so they're, they're may, they may advertise in five easy steps. Well, there may be five easy steps. The problem is those five easy steps have got to be you changing what you're doing and you being consistent. And that is not easy. So if there are a number of easy steps that promise to solve all of your problems, you can pretty well tell that that is a misleading statement. And if it, if really, if it were that easy, uh, we wouldn't have a job, right? Ads that refer to dominance theory. Now, dominance theory has been um, proven wrong time after time after time. It is an old antiquated and very wrong um, model and what I mean by dominance theory is any anything that has the phrase pack leader uh, submission make your dog submit to you dominance uh, that you know make your dog know that you are their pack leader and uh, you're more dominant than they are those types of ads refer to training that um, it, it's out of date. It's out of date, and furthermore, it's dangerous. People are not in a position to do some of the things that these trainers tell them to do. And if you meet a dog with violence from a dog standpoint, um, a dog that is trying to dominate another dog, they do that with um, 
aggression. And so basically what this is, hey, be aggressive to your dog to obtain dominance so that they understand that you're the alpha. But what they don't tell you is um, you better be ready for the fight because some dogs do fight back. I mean, after all, you're speaking their language and you're doing it very poorly. So all these things, uh, dominance, pack leader, those things are, they've been debunked. So anything that says that, give it a question mark. Um, that's pretty much a huge red flag. Behavior modification for fear reactivity aggression by someone with no credentials. And you're like, man, that's elitist, isn't it? And no, it's not. So being um, people doing behavioral modification, uh, doing behavioral work with dogs, um, it's specialized. It's like psychology. Uh, behaviors are a symptom of the problem and those are not training problems. So if you can imagine that um, there's a difference between a child psychologist and a teacher, both of them are dealing with the behavior of the child. One is dealing with behavior as it relates to learning in the classroom and their um, I guess their ability to get along and do things in that classroom. But the child psychologist is dealing with all of their behaviors by getting to the root of the problem. And if you can treat the root of the problem, all these symptoms go away. Um, and the biggest one I see is fear and reactivity, especially reactivity. Um, trainers tend to be uh, overconfident with methods uh, that they learn, but they don't have any idea of the factual basis behind it. And that lack of education on their part just leads to an overconfidence that what they do will work. And you ask why. And for them, it's like, well, it works because it worked for the person who showed me and uh, it works because it works. And that's confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is one way to describe it is say medical testing. If you think you have, um, let's say, gosh, if you think you have COVID and you take a test and it says, yep, you have COVID, you're not as likely to take that test again because it confirmed what you thought it would say but if you took a test for oh goodness what's another one if you took a test for pregnancy <laughs> ah, that's that's the only one i can draw out right now if you take a pregnancy test and you're like i am not pregnant and you take it and it pops up pregnant you're like no nah. Uh-uh. And they go get another one. And sometimes people take two or three because they're just like, there's no way I can be pregnant. And so it doesn't confirm what they feel is true. So in their head, they're looking for the test to say, you're right, you're not pregnant. But the test doesn't say that. And because of that, they go on and uh, ask for multiple tests. So if you, and it, that's a confirmation bias, if a test says, medical testing 
says basically um, what you think it is and it confirms your opinion, then you're not going to retest to uh, to like back it up. Say, okay, well, this one said what I wanted it to say, but let's do three others and see if they agree. We tend not to do that if the test tells us what we thought we wanted to hear in the first place. So when it comes to dog training, confirmation bias is I know this works because I've seen it work and this is what somebody else did and that's what they taught me to do and it works. So that's not good enough. That's confirmation bias. If you don't know why it works and it is possible to know why it works, uh, if you don't know why it works or when it should not work, then you're really approaching behavioral things overconfidently. Um, one, another problem that can come out of that is, um, some trainers tend to become more harsh if the dog isn't responding. Um, so if they're, if you have a trainer who uses a choke chain, say, and they give a jerk on the collar and the dog doesn't do anything, uh, it still continues the behavior. They then go to a prong collar or, um, uh, oh gosh, <laughs> prong collar. You know what I'm talking about. Um, they go to the prong collars and they give a jerk on that. And if the dog still isn't responding to that, they may escalate to using an electronic shock collar or they may use a pool noodle to hit them or, uh, plastic bat sometimes they use to hit them uh, to get their attention. But if the dog isn't responding, the tendency is to get more and more aversive with them, punish them harder uh, until they start to see them complying. And in some situations, that's not the thing to do. Um, like with field training, uh, Chesapeake Bay Retrievers, uh, I've heard it over and over, it could be a confirmation bias, but I've heard over and over that those dogs clam. And what it is, they sit there and they take it. Uh, you can dish out whatever you want, but a uh, Chessie that has decided they are done and is shut down will just sit there and take it. And a lot of trainers don't like to uh, deal with them because they can't they can't fit into that mold of if they don't do what you want, just be more aggressive in the, in the punishing, be, be harsher, turn the e-collar up and shock the dog uh, on a higher stimulation or all the things. And what the problem is not the dog. It is the training method and that confirmation bias of trying to say this works. It works on labs. It works on goldens. It works on all these. So it's going to work on this particular dog. And if it doesn't, then we're just going to make it tougher. And it that's not the way to be. Uh, that is confirmation bias and a lack of education on the part of the trainer. And another problem that can play into that as well is that there's a huge tendency not to refer to credentialed professionals quick enough, if at all. Um, so they think that they can handle this, like, I've got this. And the dog would have done 
far better if they had been referred to someone quicker. Um, but they tend to handle things all on their own and they seldom involve veterinarians in the treatment plan. Vets and behavioral counselors should work hand in hand. And so if you send your dog in for uh, lunging and barking and snapping at people or having bitten someone and this individual has no credentials, then like I said, th there is a tendency to escalate, uh, to force the dog into submission. Um, there is a little bit of a lack of education and they seldom involve the vet, which could be a huge portion of what the treatment plan should be. Um, you cannot train away medical problems and many of these people take the dogs in and they do not uh, do or have full workups done on the dog. And we're talking more than just uh, our yearly exam. And if they're not doing that, then it's kind of a, it's a red flag. Another red flag, science-based methods with no credentials. You're like, what? Okay, so again, behavior modification for fear, reactivity, aggression by someone with no credentials and, quote, science-based methods with no credentials. Now, the funny thing to me is both sides of that coin are science-based. Whether you use prong collars, e-collars, um, whatever, head halters, no pull harnesses, cookies, it's all science-based. There is an explanation for all of it. So it's not that people who choose to use uh, prong collars and all that aren't using scientific methods. They are, but they don't know exactly which side of the coin they're falling on. And that can happen too when you have people who only want to use 100% positive motivation and if they're not credentialed, they may not really realize what side they're falling on either. And what I mean by that is usually when you see, quote, science-based methods, um, it's used to communicate uh, that they are mostly non-aversive, positive reinforcement type training. But that doesn't mean they understand the application of the science behind it. Uh, training is only as good as the competency of the trainer, and I've met a lot of trainers who are training or meaning to train kindly, but they don't have a clue. Um, so all learning can be explained by science, but the majority of uncredentialed trainers, be it the ones giving out the cookies or the ones given corrections on the collar, aren't well educated on the meanings or the nuances in applying uh, science. And I was a good trainer before I became credentialed, um, but I didn't know what I did not know. If I hadn't been doing continuing education working toward a goal, I'm not sure I would have ever achieved the depth of knowledge and competency applying training and behavioral methodology as I, as I do now. Um, I learned the why behind training things a certain way, 
and it allowed me to choose how to handle different types of dog behaviors competently as opposed to trying all the things I had seen done with no real clue as to why it would or would not work. It was uh, kind of a try and see what happens sort of thing. Uh, some people call it the spaghetti approach where you toss everything you know at the problem and you see what sticks. <laughs> so you toss that whole plate of spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. Um, there are better ways of doing that. Um, and it's all I can say is the poor dog. Um, when you are, uh, I guess, testing things out on them, you have to remember that they are a living, breathing animal uh, with feelings and emotions. And it's best to just figure out the problem, fix the problem, instead of, well, let me try this. Well, let me try this, but more harshly. Let me try this instead. Um, and so, again, when you get into uncredentialed people, whether, they, um, whether they're saying, their positive reinforcers, uh, that too can have a whole lot of pitfalls, uh, but that'll be on the next podcast. So last one, last red flag, being out of state. Now, <laughs> they're local to somewhere. The fact that they are out of state does not always make them better. It seems like people uh, fall into this trap of sending their dogs out of state or going to an out of state person because it appears that they are better. Why are they better? Just because they live somewhere else. Uh, and it makes me laugh because if you go by credentials or if you go by any number of ways of choosing, these people are often no more qualified. And if you ask the local people where they are, some of them will say that God has no idea what he's doing and I don't understand why people are sending his dogs in. Um, so the fact that they're out of state, don't fall into that. Uh, you've got good people here. Even in the state of Mississippi, there are good trainers, and there's really no need to go out of state for most training needs. Um, and so that's my takeaway on those. Uh, next time, we're going to be talking about credentialing and really what does that mean? Because there are a lot of great trainers out there who say, I'm a great trainer. Um, I really don't need to be credentialed. I'm comfortable with where I am and who I am, and I'm comfortable with the training I put out, and I don't need little letters after my name to prove anything. And then you also have people out there um, who say, well, credentialing. Credentialing isn't the end-all be-all because we've known uh, there have been publicized uh, cases of people, trainers who do have credentials doing a poor job. And I agree with them. Credentialing isn't the end all be all, but I still believe it's something to, uh, to look at. And I'll be talking about why in the next podcast. And we'll be talking about some things to look for. This one's been about red flags and things to shy away from. The next one will be more about what to look for in finding a trainer and kind of understanding um, where trainers are coming from in their knowledge base. 
that will be the next one. So I also am reaching out and I would love for people to give me videos, send me videos of dogs that you would like critiqued. Uh, I said I would not do critique other trainers. Um, but if you want to have someone critique you or if you want to have a video of your dog uh, looked at and say, what in the world is my, why is my dog doing that? Um, send those to me. Send them, uh, you can send them to Christy, C-H-R-I-S-T-I at doghelp, D-O-G-H-E-L-P dot net. Uh, you can send those over or uh, just hit me up and, you know, make a comment on one of these and reach out uh, and send me, send me some videos of your dogs if you want to see things. Or puppies, uh, puppies are great. If you want to kind of figure out what puppies are doing and what they're uh, looking at and the things that they are learning and figuring out, uh, that's, that's absolutely a lot of fun too. So in closing, I'm going to recap for you things that are red flags or anybody uh, saying something is revolutionary or new. Uh, if they're promising major results in a... Uh, in as fast as or easy steps, uh, claiming to be number one or the best. If they're saying it's extremely reliable, 100% uh, reliable, on-leash, off-leash, um, that's a trap. Secret methods, there are no secret methods. In uh, a number of easy steps, uh, that's leaving out lots of the equation so it's probably not going to be as easy as a certain number of steps uh any ad or uh proclamation by that trainer that refer to dominance theory that's pack leader alpha submission dominance um that means that this individual is not up to date on their knowledge base and you should probably shy away from that. Um, behavioral modification for fear, activity, or aggression by someone with no credentials. Uh, someone who says they use science-based methods with no credentials. And people who are out of state aren't always better. So that's going to conclude the podcast for today. And I'll be, like I said, the next one will be going into more about what to look for and the reason why credentialing matters. Um, so thanks for joining me again, and I will see you again next time. <laughs>